for the week of June 13th, 2022. This is Obi-Wan TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into all the highly anticipated Disney Plus series. Today we're discussing the fourth part of the Obi-Wan series, and instead of Kyle today, I've got another guest, because Kyle had a thing he forgot about. <laughs> I have Will with us. He is from the Plain Stalker podcast, and formerly of Legends TV Talk as well. How are you doing today, Will? Very good, sir. How about yourself? I am doing okay. As we were discussing off mic, camera problems first thing in the morning, never fun. Well, and, you know, Zach's becoming a dad or does he have other kids he's this is his first time (laughs) hello zach in the editing bay (laughs) (laughs) so so obi-wan part four another action-packed episode lots of stuff in the sith base this time around (laughs) and from my understanding and as regular listeners know, I'm not versed in the video games. A lot of the stuff in this episode, aside from the obvious callbacks to episode four with Obi-Wan doing his little noise and go over there thing, and a few other things you can notice, is a lot of callbacks to uh, one of the video games, which the title escapes me. Fall in Order. That's it. I've actually played it, so not I haven't gotten this far yet because like I'm sorry I'm in my mid 40s and video games if it requires me to spend more than 15 minutes at a time I'm like uh, that was my moment. <laughs> yeah, me too. Really at this point that's why Minecraft is the is the one for now. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, the Fortress Inquisitorius is I think it's in Fallen Order and I think did they go there in Rebels? Uh, they didn't go there in Rebels. We just okay. got the Inquisitors like uh okay. the, the fifth brother there. He's uh, there, and we had the Grand Inquisitor. He was introduced yeah. in Rebels. So that's where we got introduced to the Inquisitors. That Hashtag the, uh, plot hole. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. But hopefully in the next couple episodes after the one we're discussing, they fix that plot hole because we all know where he dies. Yeah, I think they will. They'll find a way to do it. So All right. So my knowledge of the video game is very limited, but I have seen um, – on YouTube, the scene where Vader's in the bottom of the fortress doing much like Obi-Wan did, holding back the water and whatnot. Right. So I'm assuming that was one of the big... Easter eggs? Yeah. Yeah. I understand it, too. And I mean, you know, let me just say overall, you know, this show is nothing but Easter eggs. It, it's, you know, it it's just full of them. And, you know, unlike sometimes with uh, other sci-fi properties, Star Trek. Um, the Easter eggs are not hitting you over the head so badly that you're like, that they pull you out of it. Sometimes I just find myself just happy to see it, you know, so something like that or something like we've seen in other previous episodes, you know, how he deals, how, uh, Ben is inter- interacting with other people and things like that is, it's great. And I just love seeing Alderaan. They could do a show on Alderaan for all I care. Cause frankly, that's the one thing that I felt was always a hole was why do I care about Alderaan? I don't know Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> That's why in this series, I've been, even though like most people, I'm assuming were surprised at the twist at the beginning where, you know, we're thinking we're going to be following more Luke's story and we get a Leia story, which is, which is cool because we yeah. never really got too much of that. Um, I think it, it's been interesting seeing the dynamic, especially in this episode where now we've got Leia as a child interacting with Reva, the Inquisitor. Yes. What were your thoughts there? Because that seems to be the most original part of the episode this time. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, 
I'll just say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys and Kyle as well. The the actress they got to play Minnie Carrie Fisher is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like she she has the cadence that Carrie Fisher seemed to develop in A New Hope, as far as how she interacts with people, changing her voice when she's trying to be royal as opposed to just being a person, and you know the way she interacts in the beginning with "I am a daughter, I am the daughter mm-hmm. of Senator of Alderaan, I am a princess of Alderaan." Like she took on this royal tone, and then you know. Um, the Inquisitor, Moses Magnum, comes in and starts talking to her, and she changes her timbre, and she changes the way she interacts with this person. That is very hard for a kid to be able to grasp how to do that as an actor. So mm-hmm. this kid is fantastic. Like, she's gold. Um, I really kind of loved every... I've loved every interaction she's had on screen from the start of this thing. How she, she held her own against Jimmy Smith, who is... You know, let's face it. I mean, the guy is an amazing character actor mm-hmm. going all the way back to L.A. Law of 1987. He he is a fantastic character actor. And this kid held her own against him. To say nothing of Ewan McGregor, to say nothing of, okay, I, I hate to say it, the, the lady there, uh, Tala, she's still just the Dornish princess to me from Game of Thrones. Anyway, she, she you know, it's all really well done. I loved how this kid changed her tone and changed her actions in regards to how she dealt to everything that the Inquisitor... You know, if the Inquisitor came at her sweet, she came back at her a little sweet, you know, but with a bit of a bite. If the Inquisitor came at her hard, you know, the scene where, you know, she's like, so what, we're doing a staring contest now? Yeah, that was great. (laughs) And and what I really love is that, and I had this argument with a friend of mine online this week... You know, she she wasn't appreciating this show at all. She's like, it, it breaks continuity. Princess Leia shouldn't know Obi-Wan. And I was like, actually, if you look at episode four, first of all, you know, and this kind of hits it as well. Vader says her, her resistance to the mind probe is considerable. Mm-hmm. She had Jedi powers. They just were trying really hard to hide them. And she's a powerful Jedi, at least in some of the legends and stuff like that. She becomes full-blown Jedi. Um, and hey, she floated in space. But... Besides that, she, you know, she knew Obi-Wan and Ben. She says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. But when Luke walks into the, I had to tell her this. I'm like, but when Luke went into the, to the cage and says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, which is the only way he's ever known him. She goes, Ben Kenobi, where is he? Mm-hmm. She put two and two together. She's always known that Obi-Wan and Ben are the same person. So this actually kind of hammered that home. So all that to say, in answer to your question, I freaking love this kid. Every scene she's in is gold. You know, the little robot thing, okay, that's the most hand-wavy part. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But overall, can't can't say enough good about her. Oh, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I'm in full agreement, uh, especially after this episode uh, this past Wednesday. I mean, that line it was just delivered, like, perfectly. Yeah, it's Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It almost makes me wonder if she did what some character actors do and went back and watched Carrie Fisher as Leia to get her own um, take on and try to emulate the character as Carrie Fisher did. And even if she did that as such a young actress, that is an amazing technique to use because most actors and actresses don't come on that until much later on. Let's go back and watch what others have done in this character and try to emulate it so we keep the continuity right. So if she's done that, that's an advanced technique for her. If she didn't, that just speaks to her acting ability at such a young age, as you've said. Or the like, director. The director was like, I want yeah, you or to the have director. this cadence. Because that's, I mean, a lot of Star Wars period is cadence. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of like Jim Kirk, 
in the other sci-fi that we never speak of, um, you know, the key to making a good, you know, William Shatner impression is his cadence. Yeah, so, you gotta get that cadence down. Yeah, and so Carrie Fisher had one in, in different, in the way she interacted with people around her and whatever emotion she was trying to portray, her cadence would alter in regards to it. And she kept it up through all three movies. Well, all five, really, but... yeah. You know, in you know, look at her dealing with Harrison Ford in Force Awakens. Nice jacket, and she changes it on a dime. That being said, this yeah, I think this isn't the last time we're going to see this actress. They're probably going to do very similar to what they've done with Hayden, as far as oh, now he's Darth Vader. If they want to make more Leia stories, they'll follow this kid. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it lets them get away with recasting it without really recasting it. So. I, I won't be surprised if we see an Alderaan show with this kid. Or if she happens to show up in some of the other uh, projects that are coming out in the yeah. near future. Well, there's – there's I don't know if you have a news section or not, but there's there's talk. Like the reaction to this has been so positive that Disney is already like uh, season two, probably. So I think we'll see. I don't think this is the last time we'll see you know this character of Obi-Wan or this kid of Leia. So – no, probably not. I hadn't I hadn't caught that. So that one yeah. that's news to me. So there you go, breaking news. Breaking news that you guys already know about cuz, you know, time travel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Obi-Wan in this episode being cared for by Tala, the princess from Game of Thrones thing. Yes. Um I found it interesting that how and how distrustful he was in the previous episode of pretty much everybody. And all of a sudden, he like 180s, and I get that she pulled him out, and okay, that, that explains trusting her. But I thought we'd see a little bit more of, okay, I trust her, but I don't know about these people. But in this episode, I don't know if it was just the character, uh, Obi uh, McGregor going as Obi-Wan. Okay, now, in this particular situation, because Leia's in danger, he'd just accept everything at face value. Right. I, I don't know. I didn't particularly like that because I thought there should be some holdover from what they were doing in the, the previous episode. Well, I actually can head can- and, and this is all headcanon for me. Please mm-hmm. understand. I from a from a character's perspective, I can do that because before last episode, I don't believe Obi Wan knew Anakin was alive, other no. than when he got told. When he ran you know, when they have the fight last time, all right, in the last episode, you know, I think this is almost like Obi-Wan saying, wait, Anakin isn't dead. I still have a purpose. I'm still a Jedi, which is why he's trying to use his Force powers again. You know, like he he walked away from being a Jedi because he was such mourning over Anakin's death, or what he thought was Anakin's death, that he was like, I'm done being a Jedi. It results in people dying. I'm going to just go take care of this kid. And eventually the kid will have to be trained to stop the Empire. You know, and he didn't plan to train him. He's always said that. The character always said that through four, five, six, and all of that. He's like, I thought I could train Vader as well as I did, you know, as well as Master Yoda could have. I was wrong. He never intended to train Luke. He always intended to take Luke to Yoda when he was older. Um, my my thinking is, is that McGregor, you know, Obi-Wan, the character, is like, there is now a job to do. And his training kicks in of... I'm a Jedi. I have to protect people. Anakin is still alive. There may be, a, and deep in this, you know, subconscious, and again, headcanon, I, there may be a way to save him. So I need to do this and I need to save his daughter. And my God, I cannot let him kill his own daughter. So all of that, I can kind of understand it because Obi Wan's character has always been one of, you know, I will do what I need to do 
to get things done within a certain realm as far as, you know, I won't go dark, but, you know, it's not at any cost, but it's, you know, do the job that needs to be done. And now he feels like there's a job that needs to be done. So he becomes much more pragmatic. That was the word I was doing. <laughs> so that's that's just the way I kind of, because I noticed the character shift too, but it seems like he's a lot, you know, he was in the back to tank. He, he yeah. either had visions of Anakin or the director was trying to say, Anakin also needed to go to take a dip in the back to tank. It's very unclear whether this is in his head or not. So, but yeah, I, I can get behind the idea that he now is doing the job because Anakin is alive. So, you know, and he still has hope. Okay. Yeah. And that, that makes sense. I, I didn't actually think about it that way. I was just, I, I tend to come at things very analytically sometimes. Right. And from that standpoint, it didn't quite mesh. Right. Um, but if, if you well, they should have told us. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a big fan of show, don't tell, like storytelling. Don't get me wrong. I really am. It's, you know, sometimes, um, you know, some science fiction, Star Trek, Star, even some of the, even some of Book of Boba Fett, the problem I had with that was they tended to tell, not show, mm-hmm. you know, and try to lead you to water and kind of dumb down your audience thinking they're not going to catch this. I like the fact that they didn't necessarily go, you know, have Obi-Wan do a voiceover. I can't believe Anakin is alive. My gosh, I need to change the way I'm doing things. You know, to just have him come out of the back to tank and be like, okay, almost like a baptism of sorts. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I I have to go to work. And even the fact he's wearing Jedi robes again in this one. Yeah. You know, he's wearing almost a full Jedi uniform. It feels like he has turned the corner and said, okay, this Darth Vader, the Anakin, nope. I have to be Obi-Wan. Let's go. And he goes to town. Yeah. And uh, does it well. That's <laughs> yeah. really about all I got to say about it. The, the, he did it very well. When he decided finally to become Obi-Wan instead of Ben, yeah. he, he did it well. Like the, the fighting was there, everything, like the skills were there. He, he was just so separated from the force for, for 10 years that he needed the push, I guess, to, to yeah. get back. And that's how I was equating it. I mean, he, for for uh, his skills all of a sudden coming back because I'm sure some people would have been looking at okay well wait a minute he's struggling in the last episode how is it that he's and that's easily explained he 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 saw Vader he was attacked big bad I need my skills and he didn't get him back right away I mean you see the build up throughout the right. entire episode from when he pulls out of the back to tank he can barely drag something with the force across yep across the table to at the end he can redirect thousands of pounds of water at the stormtroopers and probably have just enough force strength to get ahead of that and get out before uh, he's right. dead with them. So, Well, for me, the, the key line in that was when he looks at Tala and goes, he doesn't say, get her on the other side, I'll try to hold it. He says, get her on the other side, I'll hold, I'll hold it. it. You know, it's it's a, it's a do or do not, there is no try. Mm-hmm. He, he is literally like, okay, I know how the force works. I have to believe that this is going to happen. And, you know, that's what he did. And proving in in that one moment that he's still a fairly strong Jedi ten years later. I mean, yes. the only other person, if you follow the the video game Fallen Order, that has held that kind of water back is Vader himself. Exactly. So he's still on. He's still up there near near to Vader level of strength. Wow, it's almost like Anakin probably was a man. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, but that's it's not for this story. <laughs> No, and, and I love the way that I mean, you spoke of it last time. I mean, the Vader character, they're they're they've gone out of their way with the newer stuff. You know, you know, transition to Vader more 
Like, they have gone out of their way with this newer content, Rogue One and this, which is really mm-hmm. where we've seen Vader. Um, where we've really seen Vader. Like, mm-hmm. um, he's as dark as he's going to get because, all right, you know, there there could be a case, and this is kind of what I'm loving about this, in that, you know, well, Vader, Vader was a great villain in the original trilogy, but he wasn't really too harsh or too evil. He choked a captain, but blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And when he realized his son was alive... Yeah, when he realized his son was alive, he became, he started moving back toward the light because his son was there, which meant he loved his son, which means the dark side lost a little hold because love could come in and infect him and, and bring him mm-hmm. back around. Right now, his his wife is dead. His child, his son, who he believed, is died with his mother. Like, he has no idea that he has anything to live for, so he is just dark as dark can be. So you... You're choking out kids and snapping necks, and I and I'm here for it. You want Vader to be that level of menace and that level of you know evil, you know, to hammer home the redemption arc that they kind you know Lucas couldn't show because he didn't have the previous you know the prequel trilogies. Mm-hmm. He didn't really sell it in the prequel trilogies, honestly. But you know, it's kind of great because it does. What I'm really loving about these prequel stories of Rogue One and that type of stuff, like dealing with the rebellion era, is that it makes return. It makes the original trilogy that much better, and it changes the way you watch it, which is what a prequel is supposed to. Mm-hmm. Do. You know, it's supposed to fill in. You know, you you can't change canon, but you can fill in gaps of canon, which I think is what this is. And again, the argument I made to my friend the other day is that you know they're they're not changing anything. You know, you can head canon away most of what they're doing. What it is doing is making it so much more deep and so much more if you find it there are nuggets in there to explain how things have happened Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm all for it i i give me more of this timeline you know this timeline in mandalorian and if you want to hand wave somehow using what you did in rebels to say well the sequel trilogy didn't really happen great all right no i'm kidding retconning but (laughs) but i i'm loving this this timeline is is something I think that they should stick with as long as he possible. Like I said, give me an Alderaan. Give me, you know, yeah, give me a rebellion story of somehow, you know. I don't know what you would do, like, because Rogue One seemed to do it. But be that as it may. <laughs> yeah, no, I do agree. This is a good timeline to be in. Like, it's it's something that hasn't been plumbed yet for right. for all of its stories. Like, I mean, we're getting the Mandalorian stories that take take place a few decades ahead of this. Um, we're getting this story here. Like, there's there's lots of stuff that can be made just in the timeline between the end of the prequel and the beginning of a new hope. So it, it's a good place to be. But now it's time to move on to the obvious elephant in the room, that little <laughs> droid. <laughs> yes, hand wavy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lola, as her name is. Yes. Yeah. At, at first, when the, when, when the, you know we see. At the beginning with Leia with the, for the companion droid, not all that surprising. I mean, no, she's a princess and Alderaan. She's going to have her own private little friend droid. It, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And everything that the droid's been so far up till this point has made perfect sense to me. Absolutely. But as soon as the droid went under the table and flew it, Reva, and she did this and caught it, I'm saying, okay, she's going to put a tracking device in this thing. Yeah, yeah that was... It was so obvious what was coming. Yeah, it was... Even I was like, okay, so is the name, did we rename the droid MacGuffin? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly what happened here, and it was just way too obvious, and and, and they paid it off way too quick. Like, if you right. wanted to make us say, well, maybe this is what's happening, as people who watch and talk about this. I think with seven episodes, you have to. I think you well, have yeah. to. You have to have that payoff now. What would have been cool is is if you know Reva said, "I've had a tracker on Leia for some time. That's how the pirates found her. That's how they kidnapped her." And she still, ha- you know, if they go that route and say that it's always been that way, but then again, you had Ben fix the droid. Ben would be like, "Wow, that looks really weird. That looks like one of my old tracking devices." Because Ben, yeah. that's that's Obi Wan's thing has always been. Let me put a tracker on it. I mean, I think he did it in the Clone Wars like ninety times. He definitely did it with Django. Um, you know, his his big thing is putting a tracker. I'm surprised Ben hasn't been like, you know, we should probably look for trackers. Anyone? Anyone got a tracker around here? <laughs> yeah, but, it's a real it's a real problem, especially with an established. Hey, I use tracking devices all the time. Right? Why aren't you look? First off, like you said, why aren't you looking for it? And second off, they could have just held that reveal of the tracking device in Lola. Until yeah. the beginning of next episode. That- they could have just said, even said, I put a tracking device on the ship, which in because of Star Wars, we would have immediately thought yeah. just what they did. You know, she, she did the thing. But, you know, how do you do it? Because they didn't have access to the ship. They would have had to use the shuttle. But in any event, you know, I, I get why they did it. I get what they're doing. And I get it's the MacGuffin. The problem is they would have wrote themselves into a corner without it because yeah, at this point true. they escaped the Inquisitors. You know, he would immediately be like, I'm going to Alderaan to drop this dang package off because my gosh, my life has been hell the last three days. You know, I get I get it wholeheartedly why it needs to be there. I, that's why I can kind of I can kind of offset it. I would have preferred maybe, you know, hey, we shot her up with a tracker that's inner. You know, and make Obi-Wan have to be like, well, what the heck do we do? And somebody's like, well, we just cut her arm off. You know, <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, we can't get it without risking exploding. The best idea is take your lightsaber, cut her arm off. Now you're in a moral quandary. Now mm-hmm. you're in like a holy crap. <laughs> you know, it, it, it. there's better storytelling angles to do it. But I understand, too, that what, seven episodes? There's two left? Yeah. So, okay. I get it. Yeah, it, it is. It is not maybe the best way they could do it, do it, but I do agree. It was the only way they could do yeah. it. My my big thing was okay. Yeah, I knew it's coming, but it would have been, I think, a better situation to you know just see the droid poke out and it's it's mechanical eye go red at the mm-hmm. beginning of the next episode. Yeah. I just thought it was just a tiny bit too quick. Yeah, but then I think other people would say like, oh, they wrote themselves into a corner and they just wrote it out at the beginning of the episode by doing it at the end. It gives you kind of a it gives you kind of the cliffhanger, like the you know you want to have that moment because don't forget Star Wars yeah. at its core, the way Lucas designed it is pulp fiction serial. You know, mm-hmm. it's designed to be leave them with a sting at the end of the episode to make them come back next week and pay it fifty cents to watch more. So. I, I get why they needed a stinger. They needed some way to kind of, you know, hit that. So otherwise, yeah, why why watch part five? Why do, why do I need part five? You know, so I, I can get behind what they did with it. And I can, you know, from a storytelling perspective, I think it was the only thing they could do other yeah. than injecting her, you know. But yeah. Or, you know, they put a tracker in the, you know, ID cylinder of Tala, you know, like, I don't know. So... But I, I'm again. I'm loving the show. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a great show. <laughs> All of the Disney series that have been coming out, with the obvious exception of Boba Fett. Oh yeah, 
Um, while it was good in its own right, it really was just Mandalorian 2.5. Yeah. Um, but other than that, all the series that they've done so far have knocked it out of the park. This one yes. is continuing to knock it out of the park. And I'm sure by the time we get to episode six or seven, whichever the last one actually is, we will be going, okay, yeah, let's get that Obi-Wan season two going on. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to, to kind of ping off of where you guys were last week and what you were talking about with Qui-Gon, um, I mean, unless you have this as a moment already in your list, but um, we won't see Qui-Gon till the end. I can, I, I, I could whole, I love you, Kyle. Kyle and I were brothers, Legends TV talk, rip. But um, no, he's totally wrong. They are not going to bring Liam Neeson in until the very, very end. Ben's going to get back to Tatooine and he's going to reach out to Obi-Wan and and that'll be how, and he will show up because I think they're using Lee. I thought I read somewhere too that Liam was doing something else with Star Wars, like voicing a character or something in one of the cartoon shows or something like that, or game, maybe the game. So you've got Liam Neeson already sitting in Disney. You're going to put him in Obi-Wan. Yeah. But let's not forget he's an A class actor. Like he's like, you know, him and Ewan McGregor both, you know, well, Ewan's probably more of a B, but I mean, Liam, you know, Liam McGregor? No. <laughs> Liam, wow, Neeson, Liam Neeson is, you know, he's a he's an A-list actor who did Star Wars because, hey, my kids want to see me in a movie. I get it. But he's still an A-list actor. He's going to want oh, a boatload of money to, to even show up. So you're going to put him at the end. They're not going to make a Qui-Gon story, I don't think. No, I don't think so but either. You, they'll throw him in at the end. He'll show up as a Force ghost. And I think that's how you end. I think that's the only way you do end Obi Wan. I think that's the only satisfactory ending is he's back on Tatooine. He's he's got a renewed vision for protecting Luke, and you know he puts on the old Jedi robes again because again I always kind of felt like when they did uh, the prequels, I'm like, wow, he looks very similar to how he looked in A New Hope, but um, um, he was in hiding. Why are you wearing Jedi? What? So, but it, it that's a really good way to end the series. So mm-hmm. I that's how I think we're going to see Liam Neeson again. And I, I and again I too I'm loving Hayden Christensen. And you know what? Who knew that Hayden Christensen's best acting job would be being a bit of a robot inside of a black suit where he doesn't have to use his face to emote and he just has to walk very stiffly. This is literally what the man was mm-hmm. designed to do. And I don't mean to slam <laughs> him, but you know, let's face it, he, you know, if anybody asks what a problem with the prequel trilogy was, nine it times was. out of ten. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Hayden's acting. Like, I mean, yeah. he, he was a lot younger then than he is now, right. of course. So I'm assuming the more experience and whatnot. And Well, it was horrible writing. I mean, Luke is putting, yeah. putting – you can only be as good as the words that are getting put into your mouth. And mm-hmm. some people can rise above it. Natalie Portman did. Ewan McGregor did. But, you know, you just have to watch Attack of the Clones with the, I can't breathe. I'm like, oh, God, that was – you know, where he looks at her and he's just like, he's trying to emote. And he's trying to be as big as he can about his emotions, but it just comes off as slightly creepy. And I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to drive a van near some playgrounds. I mean, just, mm. but moving on. Uh, yeah, I'm just loving this. And yes, I do. I, I've seen things of, you know, they haven't renewed it for season two yet, but a lot of the buzz is that they're going. Is that Kathleen Kennedy wants more, which means you're going to back a truck up to you and McGregor's house that mm-hmm. has a lot of money in it. Yep, dump a bunch of money on it and say, "Okay, you, know, you tell me when to stop." Right, because <laughs> he's 
Yeah, and that's just it. You can't do it without him. He's he's incredible. I mean, he 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 embodies Alec Guinness, which is what we wanted mm-hmm. at the prequels. You needed to have somebody who could sit there and to do that impression. I think a lot of people, again, I hate going back to Star Trek, but a lot of the problems some people have with the 2009 Star Trek is Chris Pine is being Chris Pine, and you wanted Chris Pine to be Bill Shatner. Yeah. So, you know, Ewan McGregor went out of his way to really honor the role and say, he, again, and he talked about it, he's like, I had to go, and he talked about it even now, he's like, to to find Obi-Wan again. I had to go and watch some of those movies and find the cadence that Alec Guinness used. And if you watch the movies, the old prequels and this, he does that because mm-hmm. Alec Guinness also had a very particular cadence. He had a bridge on the river Kwai. He had it on all the stuff he did. And, you know, Ewan McGregor doesn't necessarily have that cadence. He's capable of it. But you only have to go as far as birds of prey or train spotting to see the man shift out of those roles very easily. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for Kenobi's and I'm hoping Kathleen Kennedy has as little to do with it as humanly possible. Agreed on both counts. (laughs) Agreed on both counts. And I'm also very impressed with Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. I mean, it's the perfect blend. Like, I mean, he's got the walk that the original actor in the suit used down. Like you said, just a stiff Mm -hmm. walk and that suit doesn't look like it's got much give to it. No. Um, So that, that was probably easy for him to do, but, He's got, I think, the good mix of what the original Darth Vader from the trilogy was and that angsty, whiny teenage Darth Vader put yes. together. It's the, He's doing the perfect transition. Yeah. And I mean, having – it doesn't hurt that you have James Earl Jones. No. I mean, because he knows how to – and thank – I, I want to give the producers so much credit for this in that thank you so much – for using James Earl Jones, but realizing that his voice at the age of like 964, which he is right now, doesn't have the same gravitas that it used to. The problem I had with Rogue One was Vader and in Rebels was Vader sounded so airy and so yeah. much older. You could tell that James Earl Jones, they, but this one, I could, I'm, I'm almost sure of it. They actually put it through some audio and gotcha. they actually put it through some filters to give it its base back and to give it that menacing tone that he had when he was younger, you know? And you you absolutely need to do that. It does convey it because if you had James Earl Jones doing it as he sounds now, I, I guarantee you, because it did, it pulled me out of Rogue One because I'm an Uber fan. You got it, you know, it would have pulled me out of Kenobi. Every time he spoke, I would have been like, oh, God, this could have been so much better. You know, the fact that they took the time to say, no, let's put him through some audio processing. And I'd love somebody to ask that question. They had to. I mean, he, the guy is 90 years old. You can't, he doesn't have that anymore. I mean, you know, it's the problem I have with another student, Picard, is that, you know, Patrick Stewart cannot sound like Jean-Luc Picard in 1987 because the man is 90 years old, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but James Earl Jones being only a voice, it needs to be that voice married with that character. I understand Rebels had a different, or Clone Wars and Rebels and, there's been other media, video games, and things like that where they found an actor who's close, but just having that James Earl Jones voice mixed with that visage, it works, and it, and it and it does, and it makes it easier on Hayden to where Hayden can concentrate on the physical performance, you know, and doing things. He's finding places to play. Mm-hmm. You can see it. He's fine because David Prowse. You know, David Prowse in the first movie and David Prowse in the second and third movie were different people because David Prowse was pretty pissed off. Can I, I don't know if I can use language like that. Edit it if you have to. I'll say David Prowse was pretty mad 
like he just was very angry about not he thought he was going to be the voice of Vader. He thought it was his performance all the way through. And then, you know, to have, you know, he I, as I understand it, they say that he went to the premiere, he sat down, and there's James Earl Jones doing his voice. And he's like, huh? <laughs> you know, but I'm like, dude, I've, I've seen the scenes where he's talking. He, he wasn't the voice. You, he couldn't no, do it. No, it wouldn't have worked. I've seen no. those scenes, too. Yeah. So I, I'm loving... You know, I'm glad they didn't stay away from Vader. I mean, the Inquisitors were created, I think, so that they didn't play the Vader card too quick in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't have Vader, you know, Vader can't be Santa Claus and be everywhere at once. So I get that. So it stands to reason the Inquisitors exist. They had help to destroy Jedi. Um, but I definitely, I'm glad, and they there probably had to be a talk of like, do we even bring Vader into this? You know, or do we, because the one problem is we meet again at last, mm-hmm. you know, but they could sit there, you know, I think how this this show has to end is Vader thinks he kills Kenobi again. You yeah, know? it's got to be a flip of what it was where, right. a few episodes ago where, where uh, Obi-Wan realizes, hey, Anakin's not dead. He's this monster over here. Right. So, yeah, they do need to flip it so that, say, yeah. a couple episodes, maybe in the last episode or maybe second to last, whatever, Vader thinks, okay, I've got him now. He's done. Yeah, I finally I've killed Obi Wan, and you know that that's part of how it works. I mean, I love the old. I don't know how much you read of legends about like the stuff that was coming out from the '90s until Disney bought Star Wars. I I lived in that timeline. That's part of why my love of Star Wars is so tight. And one of the things they talked about that I've always kept as hand cannon is the reason that they thought to put Luke Skywalker on Tatooine is that they knew Vader would never go back there. He hated the planet. His mother died there. He, you know, he hates sand. It's so rough and coarse. You know, they knew that putting him there, the odds were very good. If there was one place in the galaxy Vader was not going to go just on a whim, it would be Tatooine. So that's why they put him there, and they hid Leia kind of in plain sight, because he never imagined he had twins. So, you know, because some people are like, well, why didn't they change Luke's last name? Why didn't they make him Luke Lars? Because... They didn't think Vader would ever get there. So, you know, I'm I'm le- I'm kind of hoping they kind of address that too here because I think that's a really great tool for answering the question of, well, I mean, he was hiding on the kid's home planet. Like, Anakin's from Tatooine. How the, how the hell did Luke stay hidden so long? <laughs> you know, but be that as it may, I'm, I'm I, again, I can't say enough good about it. No, yeah, me neither. And yeah, I'm- the, the whole Luke being being hidden thing was never a problem for me either, especially after the, the prequel trilogy where he he made it abundantly clear that he didn't like sand and that yeah. the plan, it was it was quite obvious that even if let's just say even if Anakin hadn't gone dark and was still a Jedi at the time, he still probably never would have went back to that planet no. because of everything that you mentioned. He, his mom died there. It was just not no there were no real good memories for him on Tatooine, except for maybe the pod race. Right. You can't go, but I don't care how nostalgic you get for racing. You're not going back to the place of your one and only victory. Yeah. No, he, it, it definitely, you know, so I, I think that was a perfect hiding spot. I think hiding Leia with, you know, Bail Organa, if that, if there was a questionable decision, it would have been that like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but you go to the Senate and you're still a Senator and okay, I guess we're going to give you, all right. And, you know, I'd be more worried about Leia because I don't think they knew you know, they didn't know it was twins. Vader could have easily thought, like, well, it could have been a girl. Huh. This thought, this girl is just about the age of Padme's child. And, uh, you know, and 
Bale was kind of well. I guess they never implicated Bale in the rip- no, they never did. So I guess not. All right, that's that's neither here nor. There. But, but that's you, me but, trying to poke holes. Yeah, but you do have a point <laughs> though about uh, Vader not recognizing Leia because yeah. Obi Wan said it in the second or third episode that when he looks at her, and I believe in this Padme. session he was telling the truth. She says he knew Padme so well. She right. reminds me of her mother, and I get confused. And, and it makes sense, like. But why doesn't Vader get that? We, uh, my head canon on this is simply yeah. that he is so immersed in the dark side now that he believes everything he was been fed by Palpatine. Mm-hmm. He believes that he choked out uh, Padme or, before or he Padme, could, yeah. before he could even, before she could even give birth. So he's he's got, right now. He's got all that in his head. Yeah, going okay. There's there's nothing for me. He, I'm just th- yeah. thinking he's got the blinders on, and that's why he doesn't recognize her. Right. I I. The the plot hole would be, you know, her resistance to the mind probe is considerable. You know, like, it would be like, the only way I ever kind of got around that, and obviously I spent too much time thinking about this. Um, The way I got around it was, well, she is a princess of Alderaan. If they wanted to, you know, teach her, you know, there was training you can do to be, mm-hmm. to resist lie detector. Quote, unquote, nowadays, you, there's training you can do to resist a lie detector. Maybe they taught her to resist mind probes, you know, but she... I, I loved that scene so much where the kid, you know, she's looking at her as like, is this a staring contest right now? If I have a favorite scene of this episode, it's like, so what? This is a staring contest now? And she's like, you're strong. It's like, the Inquisitor should have been like, you're strong. Almost Jedi strong. Like, you know, like, I, you know, I yeah. can't imagine too many untrained Jedi or too many non-Force sensitive people can resist an Inquisitor mind probe. Like, we saw it in the sequel trilogy with, you know... Poe Dameron should have been trained to resist a mind probe, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's not force sensitive. I re- looking at it, I'm like, you know, that should have been a red flag to the Inquisitor that, huh? And it would have been in a report like this kid resisted me telepathically searching her brain. That should have been a red flag to somebody like Vader, who at this point they are seeking Jedi everywhere they can find them. They 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 froze a kid. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like. It's obvious to me that that's that's the one plot hole. If I was yeah. to, you know, headcan and I'll find a way to headcan it, I'm sure. But at this point in time, you're looking for Jedi everywhere. You have somebody who resisted a mind probe from an Inquisitor. That should be a red, and she's 10. Yeah. <laughs> like, that should be a red flag of this could be the child of a Jedi. Maybe we should look at Bail Organa. <laughs> yeah, you would think, but... Yeah. Of course, you know, overall continuity has to be maintained as well. So yes. that's probably why that plot hole's yeah. there. She's that plot hole dies to the, you know, ever needed, you know, continuity. But yeah. I get it. <laughs> okay. So we're just about out of time for this week. So well, how about you let the people know where they can find you? I know where we can find you, but why don't you let everybody know? Well, um, I do a Magic the Gathering podcast now weekly with uh, my co-host, Aramis Perez. Uh, it's called Planes Talkers. It's a, uh, sta- it's tends to focus on the standard metagame. You can find it at planestalkerspodcast.com or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash planestalkerspodcast. Um, as well as there is talk between Bell, Kyle, and I that because Legends is here by Kaput, we might do one more. We might do the the series wrap up, you know, rest in peace. Let's have the wake for Legends of Tomorrow. So, you know, if you if you subscribed to Legends TV Talk, there's possibility we're going to try to get 
the band back together for one more. As well as you can always find me on Backcraft. <laughs> but not you, apparently. You, 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 you took your ball and went home. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did take my ball and go home for a little bit. <laughs> But I don't blame you. <laughs> it was it a is disheartening when you weeks. lose it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. But in, in, in so far as that goes, if you do want to find what I've done on Batcraft and what I did on my hiatus from Batcraft, yes. you can find that on, on YouTube at Dr. Alien 201. And as far as we go, you can keep up with us on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and email us at hello at Star Wars TV You can find the rest of our shows online at Star Wars TV and or by searching Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please don't forget to leave us a five star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always.